Welcome to the Crazy Love Podcast. What does it mean to call Jesus your Lord, and what impact should that have on our lives? In this week's episode, Francis Chan reminds us of the reality of God and explains how the holy God of the universe desires us and loves us, but is also our authority. We pray that this episode helps bring you to a place of further surrender where Jesus reigns as King over your life. I'm excited to share with you about a God who absolutely changed my life. My name is Francis. I've been married for 28 years. I have, yeah, I have seven children, three grandchildren. I am really old. And, but everything in my life changed when I was your age. That's why I get excited because I'm, I'm just hoping because I remember sitting in a meeting like this, and it changed the whole course of my life. See, I, I don't know what your background is, but I, I was very lost when I was a teenager. My, my mom died when she gave birth to me, and so my dad sent me away to Hong Kong. And I grew up with my grandparents until my dad remarried, and then I came back to the U.S., but then my stepmother died in a car accident. And I remember burying her. I remember being at the funeral, and and then my dad got married again. And then he died when I was 12, and he died of cancer. And and I remember going to the funeral and, and again burying him, and I had a terrible relationship with my dad. But it, it still was strange to see him in a coffin and, and buried into the ground. And I had so many questions. And I felt like no one really cared about me. And then I heard about Jesus. Then I began to understand what Jesus did on the cross for me. And I started praying to Jesus. And he began to answer so many of these prayers. I mean, it was, it was, it was amazing me. But it wasn't until I began to study the Bible myself that I began to understand what he was like. See, people told me to believe in God, but they never really explained what he was like. And I remember the first time I I read Isaiah 6, and and when it described God, and it described him sitting on a throne, and, and, and how the angels are covering themselves up, and they're just screaming how holy he is. And I remember reading about Isaiah, like, like the moment he saw, he got some glimpse of God, how we just, he just says, ah, I'm dead. He's going to destroy me. And how God forgives him. And when I began to understand that the Bible says God is holy, and how Moses said, can I, can I see you, God? And God says, no one, no human being can see my face and live through it. 
I thought, whoa, that's amazing. So right now, in, right now, right now, in heaven, there is a being, there's a person that if he, if he took the roof off of this building and we all looked at him, we would immediately die. I didn't know that. So I started studying the Bible. And then he explained that he's the only one who is immortal. That word immortal, it, it means he, he, he has life. Life in himself. Life that can't be taken away. And he's the only one like that. That means, see, and I think about this even right now. Like, you ever think about the fact that someone else is actually in charge of your life? Like there's someone in heaven who determines if I take another breath. He decided to give me another one. He just gave me another one. Like I'm not in charge of this. I mean, what does it do? I remember just realizing, wow, this is amazing to me. So there's a being in heaven that I can't even look upon right now. I can't see his face because he's so beyond me that it would kill me. And then he's the one that's keeping me alive. It's up to him whether or not I live for the next 19 minutes of this message. He determines whether I walk off of this stage. See, I, I, I start thinking about these things because I see how quickly life can end. You guys, I've had friends die while they were preaching. So I don't just say that hypothetically, like, like I don't know, it's up to him. That's why in the book of James, it says it's, it's arrogant of us to say, I'm going to do this next year. He goes, you don't even know, know if you have tomorrow. Your life is a vapor. I had a friend. Okay, I had a friend who was at a funeral he was at a memorial service. He was a businessman. And it was her, his secretary's husband who died. And so he's at the memorial service and he begins speaking. And he realizes this is my opportunity to tell people about Jesus. It was my friend Stan Gerlach. And Stan, he looked at the crowd. People were telling me, he looked at the crowd at one point and he said to them, you never know the moment when God will take your life. And at that moment, there's nothing you can do about it. Are you ready? And he was just sharing, he says, are you ready to see that God? Because we are all going to face him any moment. It'll be the most terrifying moment of our lives. 
we are going to see him. And so he's preaching to this group of people at a funeral. And then he says it again. He says, you never know when God is going to take your life. And at that moment, there's nothing you can do about it. Are you ready? Then after he shared, he sits down and falls over and dies in the middle of a funeral. That was just, you know, when the paramedics came, they tried to bring him back to life. Man, I thought, wow, he just said, you never know when God's going to take your life. Then he sits down and dies. I thought, wow, what an amazing illustration. You know, like, but I remember getting a call in my office and, and someone told me the story. I'm like, what? Because it had just happened. So I went over to their house and, uh, you know, they were just getting back from the funeral and, and his wife comes out of the car and she's just sobbing. Say, my husband, he's gone. And then, then her, her son's big guy, John, comes up and, and he's crying. He comes up to me, he goes, did you hear about my dad? And I said, yeah, I heard the story. And he looked at me and he goes, I'm so proud of my dad. He goes, my dad died doing what he loved doing most. He was telling people about Jesus. And then he goes into the house. All these family members rush into the house and they are just crying because they can't believe what they just saw. And so when I walk in the house, they look at me and go, Francis, would you say something to us? And I remember uh, at that moment, I, the first verse that came to my mind was, was Matthew 10 where in verse 32, I shared with Michael, what God says, what Jesus says, is everyone who will confess me before men, I will confess him before the Father in heaven. But if you deny me on earth before men, I will deny you before my Father in heaven. And as everyone's crying, I'm saying, you guys, you know what this verse is saying? He says, if we will speak up for Christ on this earth, then one day when we see God, Jesus will actually speak up for us and confess us. But if we deny him, he'll deny us. And I said, you guys, can you imagine? I go, try to imagine what it was like for Stan Gerlach today. Think about it. One second, he is on the earth looking at a crowd of people. And he is saying, this is who Jesus Christ is. One second later, he's standing before God. And Jesus is going, Father, this is who Stan Gerlach is. I go, he had Jesus confessing him before the Father. What did that feel like? And the whole family, they just, just, just imagined what that must have felt like for him. 
one second confessing Jesus and one second later having Jesus confess him before the Father. And I remember leaving that day going, oh man, I want to die like that. You know, like with, I'll probably say something stupid and then die. But he, you know, the, for the last words of his mouth being the gospel. And then he stands before a holy God. You see, I, uh, I wrestle because when I began studying the Bible, and I, I try to read through the Bible every year, been trying to do that for 40 years, um, just so that I'm always going through and I get a complete picture of God. But I remember the more I read the Bible, the more I was shocked how few people read it. And I realized a lot of times in church, they'll preach the same few passages over and over and over. And I'm going, wow, there's a lot to this God that people don't talk about. I remember when I gave my life to Jesus, and I believe I was sincere, I was just so afraid to approach God not knowing if I'm going to heaven or hell. And when people said that I could have a relationship with him, I could be forgiven, I'm like, absolutely, I want that. I want to be forgiven. I want to know where I'm going when I, when I die. But then when I started reading the scriptures, and, and I remember a lady, a little old lady prayed for me and, and said, okay, now you're going to heaven. I'm like, oh, wow, cool. That was easy. And, but then I, the more I studied the scriptures, I began to understand not only God and how holy he is, but I began to see what Jesus said it meant to be a disciple. He doesn't say anywhere in the New Testament, just pray a prayer and ask me into your heart. He talks about being a disciple, following him. In fact, you hear in the church, many people say, oh yes, I believe in the Lord Jesus. Do you understand what that word Lord means? In Luke chapter 6, verse 46, Jesus asks a question. He goes, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and yet you don't do what I ask you to do? Jesus, why do you call me Lord and not do what I ask you to do? I mean, the word Lord means master. The Lord, you're saying, you're my master. And so Jesus is going, why are you guys calling me master? Every time I ask you to do something, you don't do it. So why would you call me Lord and not do what I say? And as I'm reading these passages, I'm noticing people in the church, it seemed like our prayers and posture towards God was, Lord, do this for me. Lord, do that for me. Lord, how come you didn't answer this? Lord, how come? And I thought, wow, that sounds kind of silly. Master, do this. Master, do that. And, and it was like, no one explained to me that when you come to God, you're coming to him as his servant. 
you're calling him Lord. And yet at the same time, you're coming to him as a child and as his son or his daughter. But it's this idea of he becomes our authority. It's kind of like this. It's like, it's like you're driving along. How many of you drive? Do you guys drive? Oh, okay, a lot of you drive. I couldn't tell what age you are because it's dark. Okay, but suppose you're driving along. This is, this is the best I can explain it. And you see Jesus on the side of the road. What a lot of people want to do is open up the trunk. Do you guys call it the trunk or the boot or? Kadoshkadog. Okay. He opened the Kadoshkadog. And uh, I forgot. Yeah, you guys speak Norwegian. You call it a trunk. Okay. How do you say it? Agashtago. Is that good? Agashtago. So. So it's like you're driving along, you see Jesus, so you open the hadashkaro, and, and you say, hey Jesus, go ahead, get in the hadashkaro. <laughs> and, and you expect Jesus to go in there, and you lock him up, and you just continue in life, and then if you get a flat tire, you can open it up, and oh Jesus, help me. If the engine breaks down, hey, come on out, help me. You guys, that's not our Lord. That is not the holy God of the universe. He does not get in your Hadashka dog. Okay? But you think, okay, yeah, yeah, that's, that, that's rude. I don't want to do that. Let me open the back door. I'll, I'll let him in the car. You can open the back door. And say, Jesus, get in my car. Jesus is not getting in your back seat. You can open the, 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 the side door, the passenger side, and say, Jesus, come on in. That is not how Jesus enters your life. You have to give him the keys Say, you drive, you are the Lord now, you are the master, and I'll sit in the back seat, and you take me wherever you think I should go. See, I've met too many people who literally think that God is just someone that they bring along in life, and whenever they need something, they take, but that is not our Lord. It's interesting, in Luke Chapter 14, in verse 25, it says, great crowds accompanied him. So there was a point in Jesus' ministry when he had crowds of people. Some say there were thousands of people at this point following him because they saw these miracles. But look what Jesus said. It says, he turned to the crowd and he said to them, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. 
Okay, this is so different from how I hear people talk about Jesus. See, in churches, when there's a crowd, like right now, look at this crowd of people. Usually, as a church leader, we think, wow, this is so great that you guys came. Man, next week, bring a friend, and we'll have even more people, and you encourage people to come. But that's not what Jesus did. Jesus would look at a crowd and go, are you sure you want to follow me? He says, you understand. I mean, it's, it's right there. These great crowds. He goes, hey, if anyone comes to me, I can't have you love your father, your mother, your wife, your children, even your own life more than you love me. And so if you want to hold on to your life and control it and just throw me in the back seat, it's not going to happen. I come as the Lord of your life. And the more I studied the scriptures, the more I saw over and over and over again that God comes as the Lord of our lives. But when I was your age, I saw that as difficult. I mean, it's always going to be difficult. But what I didn't understand is the lordship of Jesus Christ is actually good news. See, it's actually good news that we have a king. It's actually good news that we don't have to drive. It's actually good news that he's going to take us in some places that will be difficult. And I've gone through hardship in my life. But I look back and I go, gosh, I'm actually really glad I went through those things. At the time, was it difficult? I wish I had hours to, to talk you through trials and everything else. I'm just telling you at this stage of my life, I'm going, God, I am so grateful for all the places you've taken me, even when it's difficult. See, most of us uh, grew up in a culture that doesn't like authority. But you got to understand, we're talking about this. Think about this. That God in heaven, who's controlling every breath, who's so holy the angels are covering themselves up, so holy that I can't even look at him right now, but the Bible says that that God so loves me. So you've got to understand how huge he is, how amazing he is, how terrifying he is. The Bible says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. In fact, in Psalm 25 verse 14, it says the friendship of the Lord is for those who Fear him. Philippians says that we should work out our salvation with fear and trembling, understanding who he is, how powerful he is. But then once you understand that, and then you realize, wait a second, that God, 
in all of his glory that the angels are cowering? That God sent his son. He watched his son take the form of a man and be tortured on a cross, dying for everything I did wrong? You go, why would he do that? He loves me. He so loves me. Man, for a guy like me that grew up where no one even cared if I was dead or alive, suddenly I'm reading this good news about a holy, holy, holy God that says, I sent my son to die for you because I want to have relationship with you. I want to spend eternity with you. And I want to lead your life. You go, wow, that is great news. Because I will make a mess of my life. I actually want you to be the Lord. And all through my life, I just, I was doing it again today. As I knew I was going to share this, I'm going, Lord, is there anything in my life that I've not given over to you? because you've made my life wonderful for these last 40 years. And I wanna keep going in this journey. And maybe some of you today, maybe you never understood God's holiness. And maybe you never understood the good news of him saying, I want the keys to your life. I want you to surrender everything to me. And maybe this is the first time you understand, wow, if that being is really like that and determines my every breath and he so loved me that he would watch his son suffer so he could have a relationship with me, I can trust him and I want to come under that authority. You know, a few years ago, my wife and I adopted a 16-year-old girl out of the foster system, and oh, I love her so much. And um, it's tough, though, adopting a 16-year-old. And her life was a mess, and she hated authority, but I just loved her as a dad provided for her, you know, just, I just loved hanging out with her. Our whole family loved hanging out with her. And we took her in as family. But she didn't like the rules in the house. She didn't like the authority. And I remember just telling her one day, I go, honey, I know this is hard for you. And I know you love me. You love how I provide for you and how I love you, but you don't love my authority. And I get it. You've always hated authority. But I want to love you so well that one day you're going to be glad you're actually under the rules of my house. Because my rules are for you. They make your life amazing. I'd do anything for you, honey. And these rules that I have in the home and the authority over you is a great thing. But I want to do so well as a dad 
that you see that one day. See, that's what your heavenly father is saying to you. Some of you, maybe there's things in your life you haven't given over. And God is saying, I know you love that I died for you. You love that I saved you. But you don't really want me to be the king, the Lord, the father, and the authority in your life. But he's saying, trust me. The Bible says if he did not spare his only son, will he not freely give us all things? I'm just telling you, I gave my life to the Lord as a teenager. And when I understood his lordship, it scared me at first. But I also thought, well, that's the only way I can have him. It's all or nothing. You can't say, I want you to save me, but I don't want you to be Lord. He says, I, I am Lord. He says, you can't be my disciple unless you surrender your life. And he goes, you try to hold on to it, you will lose your life. But if you lose your life for my sake, you will find it. So I want to just give you some time right now to just speak to him. You know, sometimes... Uh, I mean, I really started praying at your age and I would picture God on his throne. And the Bible says there's a hundred million angels worshiping him. And I would picture that. And even though I can't look at him, I just, just picture all the angels screaming out his holiness and then I would start to speak. You guys, if you would just take 10 20, 30 seconds to think about who you're talking to before you pray, it would change your prayer entirely. Because too often we just go, oh God, thanks for the day. Thanks, it was fun. Whoa, whoa, whoa. is that really what you would say if you, were, if you could see the throne and all the angels and everyone screaming out his holiness? You just go, oh, hey God, thanks for the... No, that's why I'm saying... Let's take a few seconds. I want to give you some time to pray, but I want you to think about who you're praying to. Why don't you bow your heads right now? And for a moment, just forget that anyone else is in the room. It's just you and God. The Bible says, Isaiah chapter 6, Isaiah says, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Temple. Above him stood the seraphim, the high angels, each had six wings. With two he covered his face, with two he covered his feet, with two he flew. And one called out to the other, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundations of the thresholds shook at the voice of him who called. And the house was filled with smoke. That's who you're talking to right now. Picture him on his throne. 
Picturing, picture angels with six wings. Two, they're covering up their faces. Two, they're covering their feet. They're covered from head to toe. And one screaming to the other, holy, holy, holy. And everything is shaking. And now you're about to approach this God. And I want to give you some time to speak to him. Tell him if you're afraid to make him the Lord of your life. He knows it anyways. But also think about that God on the throne and how he loved you so much that he would have his son die for you on that cross. Like he desires you. Just like with my adopted daughters, like I want you in my family. to love you, to provide for you, but also to be the authority over your life. And maybe some of you have never handed the keys to him. But just pray to him now. Tell him what's on your heart. Thank you for listening to the Crazy Love Podcast. Join us next week for a new episode. But until then, for more resources from Crazy Love Ministries or to support the work of Crazy Love, please visit our website at crazylove.org.